Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Hi there, folks. What you're about to hear is an hour-long rant. So... part movie review. There's some movie in there. Part... Oh my god, the world is ending and we don't know what to do about it. So just, you know, if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. You don't have to hear it. It wasn't good enough to really worry about watching, yeah, hearing in fact, this review anyway. Here's my plan. Here's my plan. We're going to go right now and tell you the ratings so you don't even have to hear the entire rant. I gave it one and a half rotten smelly toilets out of five. And I gave it two rotten smelly toilets out of five. There you go. Now, if you want to hear us rant about the state of the world today... I even, use, I even use some naughty words. Today, we're talking about The Current Occupant, which is not actually a movie, even though it is a movie, Legally. right? Um, it is a movie-length episode of a series called... Into the Dark on yeah. Hulu. Yes. Uh, we've watched a few of these movies before. I know last year we did at least one. I think so. But yeah, it's super weird because they're absolutely movies. They're unrelated in every way. There's nothing except a logo at the beginning that says Into the Dark, just like all the other studio logos. Yeah, it's very strange. There's not even, like, you can't even go on Hulu, as far as I know, and look at the Into the Dark series and choose episodes. These are just individual movies listed on Hulu. It's so weird because then you go to IMDb and you can't find the movie except as an episode of the series. Very it's very strange. strange. It's like they wanted to make something, but they wanted to make it as hard as possible for people to watch. Uh, that might be Hulu's MO. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's why they have that thing where they don't actually load anything, yeah. which has always been my issue with Hulu. Like they just, they don't buffer enough. Yeah. Netflix has the buffering game down pat. Yeah, they do. The current occupant is from 2020. 2020. Was it actually, it came out in 2020? 2020. Yeah. This is a current movie for current reasons. And spoilers, you guys. This episode is going to have all of Soli's soapboxes. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to. Just let it all hang out with this. I try to be sort of calm during these reviews and not like I take things too seriously. <laughs> it's what I do. It's but I try though. not to get crazy about it. And I have a feeling I'm going to get a little crazy. One of my just notes, so you know, is generalized craziness disorder, which <laughs> I'll talk about. But okay, yeah, we before we started recording, we were talking about how. There's a twitch in my leg right now <laughs> that is mysterious, and you were telling me how that is a sign of intense stress, which... It could be stress. I am having so much stress. The world is a vampire. Yeah. Set to drain. Yeah. So, 
this movie. We're gonna let it out, and we're gonna feel good. Yes. This is de-stressing, and it's podcast. gonna it's gonna be particularly interesting to see how our venting from today, which happens to be what the seventeenth of September, sixteenth of September. I don't know what day it is. It's, it's we're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. but we're in the middle of September. This. Review won't be posted for another, like, three and a half weeks. It'll be interesting to see how much of what we say today is still relevant, because... Oh, it's going to be so much work. People won't oh. have devices to listen to podcasts on by that point. <laughs> okay. So, the current occupant is the story of one of two things, and it's up to you to decide which is more likely. First, it could be the story of the actual president of the United States who has been through some kind of conspiracy theory, locked away in an asylum, and is being treated as if he has some kind of mental disorder that is preventing him from functioning in the world. Like, he, yeah. he's being told that he is not who he thinks he is. Or, or it could be the story of somebody who has delusions of grandeur, has an actual mental disorder, and is actually being treated at this asylum because he thinks he's the president of the United States. Yeah. And there's there are so many clues in both directions. Yes. That, that you, it really is up to you to decide. Yes. And one of the things I liked about this movie, actually, was that they there were instances where, depending on which side you were on, if you had picked a side, it would be evidence that you were right. <laughs> but if, like, I was trying not to choose a side. I was trying to be like, okay, either one of these two things could be true. I was trying to, like, ride the middle. So we would get to one of these things, and I'm like, oh, I can see how this is evidence in one way or the other, but it's also evidence in both directions. So whoever, <laughs> you know, whatever you think, you now feel confirmed mm. that you are right and the other people are wrong. I mean, there were also things that swung one way or the other, too, back and forth. Were there, though? Yes. Like what? It depends on the movie, because one example is his great friend in there, I forget her name, yes. the Secretary of State. Helen. She starts talking to him, and she's like, hey, I'm your Secretary of State. This is all cool. And I'm like, the only way this makes sense is if she really is. Like, what she's doing is what a crazy person would do, except it's not. They wouldn't have done all this research and gotten it right and said the right things. So that one felt like it had to be that, except there I were mean, other things that went the other way. So it, she, it couldn't be. The thing is, if she believed herself to be the Secretary of State, and then somebody who believed himself to be the President came in, she would be like, Mr. President, I'm here. This is, you know... That's what she would have done. One of the things they do is they talk about, look around you. These are all people with delusions of grandeur. You know, this, this guy thinks he's the emperor of space and yes. she's going to save the world. Secretary of State? I mean, come on. All you get out of that hey. is Benghazi. Oh, snap. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not that great. I thought I was going to take it there this episode. No, I know. I know. But the Secretary of State is a famous person. Is You know... Yeah. Not everybody can be the emperor of the galaxy, right? Uh, they all could be if they were all crazy. Uh, I suppose. But so there were things like that, though, where it's like I could see how they would 
solidify someone's belief system in one direction or the other and would be driving people deeper into the decision they had already made about the movie. Mm-hmm. One of them was the handprint. They, like there was a hand yeah. scanner for him to get out and it didn't work. And at first I was like, oh, see, he's not done. And then Helen, the Secretary of State, was like, well, obviously they've changed it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, obviously. Of like they wouldn't. They would. Yeah. So. Well, I actually had that thought before they got there when she's like, you're going to do your handprint. <laughs> and I'm like, they're, they're not going to get let him have a handprint to get out of the asylum he's in. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Throughout this story, though, as as he's trying to decide, like, he has no memory, and he's clearly been through this traumatic experience, and he's, like, having flashbacks of it, and, you know, little things are reminding him, and or one of the other people he's interacting with is this nurse slash orderly... I don't yes. know. Her it never job is very unclear. Right. It was never described. It, it wasn't even in the subtitles. Like the one guy was subtitled as orderly. Yeah. And Eliza did not have a job title, but she was clearly there. She was like in a white nurse's sort of outfit. He keeps interacting with her. At what point did you decide she wasn't really there? As soon as she started talking to him, <laughs> really? literally when she appeared in his room, I was like, okay, there's a fake person that doesn't exist. Interesting. Yeah. It's because, I mean, this isn't in the first moment, but within their first conversation, their eyes meet and it's, oh, it's you. And they don't, you know, they don't admit it, but there's clearly, they're destined to be together. And I'm like, okay, so she's not real. Wait. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, the President of the United States is being locked against his will in an asylum, and the woman he loves and who loves him is there trying to get him out, and he has no memory, and he sees the face of the person he loves most in the whole world, and you don't think that like there'd be any flicker of recognition there? I get it, but I, that's, that's I knew that she was not real. Oh. She was definitely oh. not real. I mean, that's... The idea, yeah. but for her to really be there, it doesn't make sense. She wouldn't really be there. So, yeah. so, so the fact that the person that, I mean, I, I got the connection. I'm like, that's his wife. That's what I actually thought. Right. And his wife is not here. There's no way she's here. So she's a ghost. Clearly, I am more of a romanticist because yes. I was eating that part up with a spoon. I was like, absolutely, he recognized her. He doesn't know who she is yet, but his heart recognizes yeah, her, you know? which is fine. I was liking that. But I was, I don't know if it was after the first time they met or if it was the second time, but I'm like, she's being really helpful without actually being helpful. Like, she kept yeah. giving him information, but then withholding information. And I'm like, if you know A, why are you refusing to share B? Like, come on. Yeah. Either you're here to help and you're giving him the information and you're helping him or not. The one thing I did think was maybe they were all helping him. Like, there was something wrong with him, actually. Like, and he needs to go through this whole treatment to return to being the president and she was part of it. And so as much as she wanted to tell him, she was like following the the yeah, protocol. That theory. Was right. Sure. So I was like, okay, maybe that's going to be that. And honestly, I would have really liked that story. That it would have appealed to me. But no, she was not real. I want to score points. I'm looking at my notes and I see that I wrote ghost of his wife at the point where they first had their first conversation. Wow. Very good. Mm-hmm. 
very good. I wasn't 100% convinced that she didn't exist until when he and Helen were on their way to the hand scanner and they're stopped in the hallway and they're talking for some reason and all of a sudden Eliza is there and she's like, they know, you have to go. And yeah. he says, they know, we have to go. And they go, but Helen in no way recognizes yeah. that another, like she would have been like, oh crap, like there's a person, <laughs> yeah. we're caught. And she didn't re register this at all. And I was like, oh yeah, Eliza doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, you gave us two options at the beginning of this podcast, but in yes. fact, I actually have two other options in my notes. Okay. Number one, th through the whole movie, I'm sitting here trying to figure out what's going on. That's all I was doing. I was like taking in everything and going like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because I wanted to get to the solution. That's all I was trying to do. I wasn't mm -hmm. paying any attention to anything else. So at one point, the thing I came up with was, this is all a total misdirect. He's in a coma trying to recover from his coma, which is something that's been done many times. Yes. And, you know, this whole thing is a delusion and he's going to come out of that. Yes, I definitely had moments where I was thinking exactly that same thing. The in a coma. Yeah. Here's another one. The doctor kept showing him images of JFK. Yes. And it was all very patriotic America stuff going on. It was very weird. And she she asked weird things like, you know, should this man feel guilt over you getting shot or whatever? Something like that. And he's like, I don't know. And he, oh, he, anyway, that whole issue of the questions. <laughs> yes, we're going to come back so to the angry. rules of this universe. I was yes. so mad. I just keep getting madder about this movie. But that, I have the idea all of a sudden, maybe he is JFK. He doesn't look like that to us because that's the whole thing. He doesn't know it. And this is actually after that and what's going on there. Or again, in a coma, mm -hmm. trying to get out. Not that he would be in a coma, but maybe in this story he didn't die. Or that was the other thing. Maybe he did die. This is not life anymore. This is mm -hmm. some sort of afterlife. Then, you know, all the butterfly faces in the movie. Yes. I'm like, okay, aliens. He's been taken <laughs> by aliens. And when he's going up the elevator and it, it was booping up to the top and he was going to see what was up there, I'm like, he's definitely getting out of their constructed environment into the alien spaceship. That's what's happening. There were a lot of possibilities here. I was pretty solid on that. I was like, okay, now I got it. <laughs> I didn't ever go to that place. I spent a lot of time being annoyed at how they phrased the questions, the qu that particular question in the movie, because the doctor kept asking, which is more likely, that the president would wake up as a patient in an insane asylum, or that a patient in an insane asylum would wake up as the president? And yeah. I'm like, those are the exact same thing. That's not two options. The way I interpreted that was that the second option was would wake up thinking he was the president. But she never said that. And she yeah, was so... she did not. And that's... Okay, we can talk about the rules now of oh, good. the questioning. Because she was so concrete and specific about her rules. And then to be so careless with her <laughs> phrasing, I was super annoyed by that. Did you want to electrocute her? I... Oh, <laughs> sort of, probably. I related to that scene more than I should have, probably. Yeah. But yes, her big rule, repeated 57 and a half times <laughs> in the movie, was no, you need to state your answer as a complete sentence that references the question. Like she's recording interviews for a <laughs> documentary. Right. Or she's a fifth grade teacher asking mm. her students sure. to write essay answers because I definitely made that request many times over. Yeah. And they definitely ignored me most of the time. Well, that's what the problem I had. This guy was worse than a fifth grader. 
you'd think by day 20 of this therapy he's undergoing, yeah. he would know that's how he has to answer the question and not answer every single question as just a quick answer that she then has to say. Please formulate your answer in a complete sentence incorporating the question. Like, right. And stop. then he had to see it every time. Every like, time. even if he's doing that, I don't even care. Like, skip over that part. It's like how we don't watch people blink in movies. We don't watch them <laughs> yeah. go to the bathroom. We don't watch them wash their hands. Move on. We don't watch them restate questions. Right? No, in real life, he would have stumbled for the first couple of days. Yeah. And then he would have been so programmed to provide the answer, including the question, and be in a complete se- sentence that literally <laughs> every response he had to everyone in and out of that room oh. would have been a complete sentence, including the thing that they that had said. That would have been kind of interesting. That would have been more interesting. Although possibly they were trying to show how he was resisting he was very resistant. the uh, programming that they were trying to include in him. Him. Yeah. He was very he he saw four lights. <laughs> yes. And that's that's a thing. Oh, there's so many different directions to discuss. So if I had not watched this movie in 2020, I would have decided that this was not a horror movie. There was nothing horror about it. It was a thriller. It was yeah. suspense. I but mean, it there, wasn't there horrific. Is horror. It's the, you know, you're trapped in this system horror you know he he was being abused and he couldn't get out of it so that's yeah that's horror but i i see how it's not like the traditional horror movie the only part where i would say okay this is edging into horror territory pulling it out of because it was so deeply rooted in thriller suspense Mm -hmm. and you're trapped in a place that you can't get out of is is a thriller suspense thing too so that wouldn't be enough to pull it into horror for me. The point where they have him strapped down and they give him the buttons and they like tell him, okay, you're in like a, an electroshock therapy contest with this other person you can't <laughs> yeah. see. They're going to zap you unless you zap them, which was very much that like college, you know, there was that college study Oh yeah, where yeah. they gave people the power to electroshock other people and like a good number of them shocked, like raised the electricity to yeah, the they, levels that would kill the other person. And they did it yeah. anyway. That's the part where I'm like, okay, here's the horror of it. But even that, if this movie had just been billed as a thriller, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That's prior to 2020. Yeah. In 2020, this movie and the gaslighting in this movie, the straight up being obviously lied to by everyone around you knowing that there's something going on and everyone keeping secrets from you and and pretending that like the things you see aren't real even though they are real although some of the things weren't real so <laughs> like all of that, that it, worse. it does because then you start wondering all of that was so much too real for me in the reality that we're living in now yeah. Sometimes when I watch movies, when, when sometimes when I watch these movies, I pick up my phone because I'm bored. Like the story's mm-hmm. not interesting me. I'm too bored. I need something else to entertain myself while I'm waiting for something to happen on the screen. This movie, I picked up my phone and started like scrolling and like distracting myself because I needed to disconnect from how much I was relating to the gaslighting in this movie. Yeah. It's very specific, and I wonder, since it came out in 2020, if it was written with this premise, with this theme to it, it's very specific to what's happening in our society, this 
we're all being lied to mm-hmm. all the time and treated like we're the crazy ones and we're trapped in this thing. We can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder if that's what the point of the movie is, if they're not trying to do that. I think so. But I also think, because I know making movies is a long process, it's always interesting to me when something like a movie or a book comes out and it so closely resonates with what's happening in the real world. And I'm like, I know that this was created. These ideas were put together for the first time at least a year ago. I have that same feeling when I was reading Chuck Wendig's book, Wanderers. Yeah. Because it was so much about like a pandemic and there were so many things about, you know, the CDC and, you know, people disagreeing and not believing yeah. science and all of that. And I was like, it's like it's ripped from the headlines, but it just came out. So he wrote this long before we knew coronavirus was a thing. I feel the same way about this. Like it was weird. It's weirdly future telling. Well, except that the lies started in 2015 or so. Yeah, no, I know. But yeah, it's definitely ramped up a lot. Just in the last six months, things have gotten so much worse. So much. It's, it does, it makes me truly feel like this movie, like for real. This, how can everything be this crazy? It's impossible. And yet it seems to be true. Yeah. So this has been a particularly difficult week for me. Like I'm, you know, this whole quarantine, you and I have been largely like 95% quarantined, Mm -hmm. if not more, since March 15th. Yeah. So we have been in quarantine for almost exactly six months at this point. And I'm mostly doing okay with it. I mean, our lives are such that quarantine wasn't that big of a change. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a dramatic change like some people are experiencing while they're like losing their jobs yeah. or, you know, they have kids and kids don't understand what's going on and, you know, trying to do that. It didn't change things a lot, and I'm doing mostly okay, except then I have these waves of realizing how broken everything is and how reality has shifted to be almost unrecognizable at this point. And I forget because I'm at home and like home is normal and I'm intentionally staying at home because we're not supposed to be leaving our bubbles. We're not not supposed to be interacting with people we don't normally interact with. But then I think about what life is like out there and I'm like, it's completely different. It's completely different than what it was a year ago in terms of how safe it is to be outside, in terms of the political landscape, in terms of racial tension, in terms of the economy, like everything has changed. And I don't know what to do with that. Like, we can't fix it. And so there's this part of me, I I struggle with that, right? I have these realizations. Like today, uh, my Facebook reminded me that a year ago today, I was in London. I had just arrived in London. I was taking a trip and I was like so excited because I was going to do all this traveling. I, you know, this was the first trip and I was going to visit lots of different places. And then I've done none of it. I had so many things planned for this year and they all had to be canceled. Mm-hmm. And then I, so I have these m- memories of what it was like and what I wanted it to be like. And then I'm like, oh, it's not like that anymore. Okay. And I think I would be okay if it weren't for the fact that there are, best as I can see, almost 50% of the population is out there saying none of this is real. Yeah. That's the part that's so hard to deal with. The coronavirus isn't real. Your concern is foolish because it's just a made-up thing. It's just the flu, Sully. 
Yeah, it's no worse than the flu. Oh, don't don't pay any attention to all of those doctors talking about how overwhelmed their hospitals are. Ignore the fact that New York had refrigerated trucks holding corpses because they couldn't their morgue couldn't handle it. Like, forget about those pictures you saw of mass graves. This is all made up. Two hundred thousand dead. Acknowledged, but Well, so how what? many people die in a regular year? Yeah, those people are still dying, you guys. These are extras. (sighs) Okay. So the part that is breaking my brain the most is not that life has changed. Because I think we could get used to that. We could learn. We could... We're adaptable. But that I know in my heart of hearts that life has changed. And yet I keep getting this message constantly bombarding me that life has not changed. And I'm just overreacting. Yeah, to everything. That's the gaslighting. I'm overreacting to, to coronavirus. I'm overreacting to Trump. I'm overreacting to the economy. I'm overreacting to everything. Weather, everything. Yeah. That's that's on one side. And on the other side is like all the stuff you're saying. All the you know, So you've got the gaslight stress. Then you've got the stress of the actual stuff mm-hmm. happening. Like there's wildfires burning the entire West Coast. And thinking about that and everything and not just the west coast that's what we're talking about there are also wildfires burning large portions of africa large portions of south america australia already had theirs was on fire for a significant portion of the year like yeah yeah wasn't it like a billion animals died or something it was (sighs) great so i'm sad that i mentioned wildfires to start with because (laughs) it's all this stuff all the racial riots and police murders over and over every single day and every day a minimum i beg you to go on twitter right now people of the future and try to not find three major crimes being committed by the by our politicians today not ones that were from yesterday that they're still talking about because they don't they drop them three a day minimum Actual serious crimes. Crimes like what? <laughs> crimes like we're removing the uteri of women of color. Yeah, sure, and that's, that's just, just a one thing day. that happens. And all of that is happening, and you stress about that. But on top of everything else, there's a tidal wave of the entire Earth is doomed. Like climate change has hit. That's why I shouldn't have mentioned the wildfires because they're a huge part of that. Yeah. Climate change has washed over us faster than we ever thought possible. Things are way worse than anyone ever thought they could be. And it's only going to get worse faster and faster. We're (laughs) (laughs) You thought I was going to be the one using words like that. I know. No, it's true. I'm glad. I feel good getting it out. Yeah. There are so many things. And the other day... It was about the women in the ICE camps receiving hysterectomies for no reason against their will. Yeah. And I was expressing outrage at that. And I I saw somebody else on Facebook, like rightfully so, saying this has been happening to women forever. Yeah. Like Native women, Black women. This is a thing. This is not a new like, oh my gosh, what have we started doing? What did I start doing in 2020? This has been a typical way for the United States government to control people. They were pointing that out and being like, hi, where have you been? 
And I had this moment of, yeah, I knew that was happening. Like, it wasn't a new piece of information for me. I know this. And there are so many crises to be upset about. There are so many things going wrong that I can't keep up with them anymore. Like, Nobody I, can. Every day I have to pick one thing. Like, what's the one thing I'm going to be upset about today? And then I try to, like, rotate through my Rolodex of, <laughs> of things. Okay, yesterday I was upset about climate change. I was talking about climate change. I was trying to bring awareness around. I was trying to, like, be active, donate, whatever. Today... I'm going to be upset about women's rights and reproductive rights. And tomorrow I'm going to be upset about the fact that children are being sent back to schools that are not being provided with enough protective equipment, cleaning supplies, guidance, you know, nothing. Like schools are having outbreaks. And any school that's open, yeah. Any school that open. <laughs> no is, exceptions. Like they started and they're like, it's okay, we're going to open schools because if someone gets sick, we'll quarantine them. <laughs> and then they opened the schools and people started getting sick and they're like, well, there's no way for us to quarantine everybody. That's impossible. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we said before this started. Like, why oh. is this happening? And every couple of days, some doctor goes... By the way, if everyone would wear a mask, this would be gone in six weeks. Every couple of days, that that piece of information resurfaces. I read this book recently called The Year of Wonders. It was about an epidemic of the plague in a particular town or like village. And it wasn't happening. Like it was, it, it had been in like London or something. And then someone brought it to this little village and, but it, it wasn't in all the surrounding areas. So in the story, they lock themselves down. Like this village decides, okay, we're just going to isolate ourselves until this stops. And like two thirds of them die because it's back in, I don't even, this, I think it was 1666 or something like that. It was like a long time ago. They had yeah. crap medicine. A lot of them were going to die, but it didn't spread to all the villages around them. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like, you know, it's a shame that we don't remember the lessons like the schools. Schools existed in 1918 when we in this country were experiencing the Spanish flu. We were not that different then as we are now. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a shame that we can't remember the lessons that we learned because they probably did the same thing back then. They're like, yeah, well, you know, fights. we'll open the schools. Schools are important. We have to educate our children. They did things and they were like, oh, whoops, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> hundred years later, why don't we have any records where we're like, oh, they tried this back then. It went abysmally. Let's yeah. learn a lesson. I'm, I'm like, it's a shame that we don't remember the lessons we learned a hundred years ago. And then I heard something on the news, and I don't remember what it was, that made me realize, oh, we don't even remember the lessons we learned last week. Like, we just did this, and we're doing it again. So, of course, we're still making the same mistakes that we made a hundred years ago. Because we can't remember from one day to the next the things that we're learning right now. It's because there's too many things. It's just too many. It is that, but it is also that people in leadership, yes, I am talking about the president and all of the people around him that are supporting the things that he's doing. The current occupant the current occupant, because the people who are trusted to give us guidance in situations like this are not only not giving us guidance, have not only 
abdicated all responsibility, but then they're also actively stomping around on all the good advice that the people who tried to fill the power vacuum were trying to give. Like, yeah. you know... <laughs> They have to. They uh, That's how they would lose power. Well, absolutely. But, you know, when the president failed to do his job when it came to managing this crisis, other people started to step in. Governors started to step in. And, you know, people from the CDC, medical professionals started trying to be like, okay, you guys, no, we got that. We can do this. Here's the information you need. We can manage this. And instead of us being able to trust, you know, be like, okay, well, here's somebody we can trust. Then the president's stomping around going, no, 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 don't trust those doctors. I've heard drinking bleach is a good solution. Like, what? It's fine. Just go outside and get a lot of vitamin D. And he's still the president. And that is truthfully, honestly, like it, it stuns me to say this, but honestly, telling the American public to drink bleach <laughs> as a cure for the coronavirus is one of the least traumatic, least damaging things that he did. Because most people are like, um, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah. And there are so many things that he's said that unfortunately that there's a latched on. Yes, there's a large portion of the population who don't know enough to know better and are like, well, I mean, he's the president. He's got to be somebody who knows something, right? Or they believe, as you would think under normal circumstances, he may not be smart, but he's got an entire team of geniuses who are giving him the best advice. Right. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And he wouldn't listen if he did, because he doesn't listen to what he's got now. He's literally fired everyone who ever gave him a piece of advice. Yeah. So, anyway, to tie that back to this movie... There was a movie? (laughs) Yes. This movie brought up all of that. Like, this movie was just like, hey, you know what? Everything is terrible, and people are lying to you, and people don't know how terrible things are, and somebody's crazy, and it might be you. You don't think it's you, but it might be you. I don't know. I was very unhappy by the end of this movie. I was too. And a lot of that had to do with movie issues. But yeah. Well, what movie issues? What how, what caused you to be unhappy movie-wise? Fundamentally, this movie came at me like a Netflix original. <laughs> it was like jabbing that fork right in and saying, oh, yes. here we go. Here's, here's an entire movie of interesting clues that mm-hmm. are leading somewhere or somewhere else. Or did so they leave the first premise. place? Where's it going? What's happening? And the only interesting thing about the movie was that question. What is it going to be? How does it go? And then the end of the movie is, no, you don't get to find out. That's up to you. We're leaving it for you, my friend. Which means that either he is the president and they did nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is more likely. (laughs) No, that either he is the president and then they did nothing to explain what kind of crazy conspiracy would have led to this situation. Yes, like, how can we make this happen? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like the movie in which the truth is he's the president, there's a whole lot of backstory. Like, give us yes. the premise. And then the interesting part is that you're going back and explaining to me how we got here. Yeah, and seeing what they're doing out there while they've got him trapped. Right? Even if I didn't, like, okay, he doesn't need to be rescued by the end. Yeah. Because that wasn't the question. The question was, 
is he really the president? <laughs> you know, if, if the answer was yes, then you need to give me that answer and explain how he got to this situation. If the answer is no, then really nothing happened in this movie. <laughs> he started with delusions of grandeur. He was tortured and he ended in the exact same place he started. Yeah. In which case, Very true. there's no story here. Oh, and if that's the case, they just did a whole lot of stuff to make us think that the hospital staff are terrible, terrible people. Really terrible. Even though if he is really a patient at this hospital and really has all these delusions of grandeur and they were really trying to help him, they were the good guys. <laughs> Yeah, but there was definitely abuse going on. I mean, if that was really happening. See, that's the thing. Basically, what they established at the end by showing that, that, that Eliza didn't exist was like, you are a completely unreliable narrator. Yeah. So probably none of the things that he told us happened to him happened to him. And he is just being treated as a patient in a perfectly fine asylum, his clothes are probably perfectly fine. <laughs> They're not dingy. That orderly who kept telling him, don't worry, I'll always be here for you. Oh, I'll sad. be here for you. Was just a really decent guy he who was trying like to help him. He like a good him. guy until he wasn't. Until he wasn't. Also, he bashed another patient in the face with a chair and busted out all his teeth. Oh, I know. Wait. Right after that, in mm. the very next scene. Oh, okay. Yes, that was a horror element. Oh, I'm not sure what you're referring oh, to. Okay, he insists, mind. I could never harm anyone. <laughs> That's the very next thing he says. That is true. She's like, you're going to have to zap another person. And he's like, oh, no, I would never hurt anybody. No. Oh, no, no, no. There were um, like five teeth that went flying. Okay, the horror element that I was referencing, though, is that those five teeth that went flying, <laughs> they gathered them up and put them in one of those little white containers that they give patients pills in yeah, and slid it across the table at him. And he looked at them several times. <laughs> they were teeth every time. And he threw them back just like they were pills. Well, I feel very confident that wasn't reality. Okay. Because she was talking about them being pills and upping his dosage. I mean... But then none of this was reality. I and this movie know. was just a sadly delusional person who remained a sadly delusional yeah. person. It did. It got to that point of weirdness and craziness that was really fueling my ideas of this is like the afterlife or some other, you know, coma dream. Because it just... I mean, that could have just been his delusions, but... It just didn't make sense as a real thing. Hmm. And yeah. that's what was kind of frustrating is, I mean, everything was super frustrating. But, you know, the therapy they were putting him through was never explained and what that meant. And, you know, what was the point of asking him these questions? It felt like weird for weird's sake because it didn't mm -hmm. actually come together in any way. Which, again, is very Netflix originally yes. in that it was really interesting. Like all the guys with the kaleidoscope faces and stuff absolutely or rorschach blots almost yeah like yes i was loving it <laughs> but you have to tell me what it is you don't have to tell me tell me but you have to like give me something yeah there was nothing well, they were not the explained in any way shape or form i feel like that's what people would come at us with and be like well, you know, you have to use your brain. The movie no. shouldn't spoon feed you. Like, no. No, the movie should have an ending is what the movie should do. Here's the thing. The same people who would watch this movie and be like, oh, no, you just didn't understand because this and this and this and this. 
those are the same people who believe that there's a child pedophile ring happening in the basement of a pizza place that doesn't have a basement. That's kind of the flip side of the whole gaslighting thing is that they believe absolutely nonsense and they're just gaslighting themselves. Yeah. Well, they're being gaslit and buying, buying into, into it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I think that this movie had a lot of good ideas and a lot of setup, a lot of premise, but it didn't follow through. It didn't explain. And I am reading some books about plotting and I'm trying to learn about plotting <laughs> because that's, it's hard. But one of the things that I see over and over and over again is that in your denouement, in the end of your story, after the climax, you have to make sure that you've followed through on all the promises you've made. Yeah, so if you set something things Netflix up, needs to know. Yes, if you set things up, you have to, they have to be relevant in some way. And unfortunately, there was a lot set up in this movie that then never came into play in any real way other than it was just a weird thing that was throughout. And I'm like, well, unless we're just all on drugs, there's no reason for that. And since that never comes up in the plot, then I'm going to assume that's not what it was. Yeah, I, I don't know. Ratings. I'm having a hard time rating this movie because I'm having a hard time separating it from like that thing that I call like 2020 like just the year that nebulous blob of terribleness that is 2020 yeah that i recognize is not going to end at the end of 2020 like it's so just started not. here and it's yeah. just gonna grow and rot and metastasize is a great word for it but i'm having a hard time separating this movie from that because i want to be like zero <laughs> zero out of 13 do not recommend um, to not want 2020. <laughs> but that's not really fair because this movie is not the ball of disgustingness that is reality these days. Well, it just shows it to you. Yes, it just made me confront it or <laughs> like like think about it during a time when I was trying to distract myself from it. And maybe that's what made me the most disappointed about it was I was like, <laughs> so I'm trying to get away from reality. And here it is being presented to me in full color and surround sound. Uh -huh. I don't like it. But when I just think about the movie, I really, really, really like like the first two acts of this movie. Mm -hmm. I liked the acting of it. I thought it was a well-made movie. Like I don't have complaints about that. Um, I thought it was had a lot of creativity to it. And I really enjoyed the first two acts. And then the third act didn't really do the job that the third act is supposed to do. And Right. I almost feel like if they had just stopped it as he was watching the lights light up on the elevator and not like just have better. the doors open and we see his face and he has like a reaction. Yeah. And roll credits. I'd still be mad. I would too, <laughs> but at least it would have been like there's some sort of resolution that I could have created in my head from this. Yeah. This took you past that moment just enough to be like, oh no, we're still going. And then it rolled credits. Yeah. And I'm like, that, no, stop that. Yeah. Bad it, movie. They took the ending away, which that was part of it. Part of the mystery of it is like, that didn't make sense. No. There's no way that guy, even if he hadn't smashed him in the face with a scuba tank or whatever, ran up 20 flights of stairs. So how was he there when the elevator opened? Like, what? It was like the last second of the movie was just one more bit of premise. They're like, yeah. and then here's something else interesting. Consider this. 
No! The last <laughs> moment of the movie is supposed to be concluding something, not presenting something. Yeah. Anyway, that really bothers me. And I I feel like I need to take a stand and start actually penalizing movies for failing to have endings and for failing to recognize the storytelling structure that makes something a movie. This was not a story. This fails to meet the requirements right. of a story. And I, for one, am going to start taking a stand against that. So this movie gets two rotten, slimy, disgusting toilets out of five. Most of that is because of how they failed to actually tell a story. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm going to be quick. I'm on board with that. But I was angrier at the ending. Today, earlier today, I got really mad thinking about this movie and like mm. the the lack of ending. Like, It's not just a lack of ending. It's like a lack of anything. It's like <laughs> all this setup and nothing, which is so Netflix original. It hurts. Yeah. So I'm going to give it one and a half filthy, disgusting, rotten toilets out of five. Because it loses more points by being interesting to start Mm -hmm. with and then throwing it all away. Like, I'm just mad. Yeah. But not as bad as that. But same idea. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that was uh, that movie. (laughs) And we're going to do something super different tomorrow. I feel like we need to go for something, like, really light and silly and fluffy. You know, like House of a Thousand Corpses or something. Ah, We are. on that button until she was vegetabled. Vegetabled. And I feel that too. Like that, like I am trying so hard to be a good person, but every day I feel a little bit closer to that thing that's just going to like shove me right over the edge and I'm just going to lose my all over everything. And I'll just vegetable everything. (laughs) Like Charlie from Firestarter just Burn it all down. That would be awesome if you could do that.